0: Hey, this is Andy Jenkins. Thanks for hopping back on the podcast. This is another continuation of the coaching series that I've done. And in this one, we're gonna shift into the idea, the concept of faith. Now, let me say something about the whole coaching thing. Here's a great analogy. You would not think about stepping out onto a basketball court if you're a basketball guy or gal without a coach. You wouldn't go pick up a tennis racket to play competitively with no coach. Uh, This last year one of my sons got involved in wrestling and one of the cool highlights was I actually got to know the coach really well and got to sit in the corner and coach several of the guys during the matches. You know, no kid would think about going out onto the mat. (laughs) Well, some of the junior high kids would, but they (laughs) lack experience and knowledge and wisdom. But most of them wouldn't go out there without a coach in the corner. And I remember one time, one of them actually pinning a guy and there was this huge aha moment after the match. You know, he did the work, but he communicated to the other guys that were there, I just did in that moment what the coach said because the coach saw something he couldn't see. He was still doing it, but the coach was there not to control him, but to really make him better and point out the obvious. And as a result, he won. I think that a lot of people struggle more than they have to in life because we've separated the idea of coaching from real life and not realize that man, sometimes you just need somebody that can look over your shoulder and see what you can't see when you're out in the middle of the mat in the middle of the bout and just say, hey, do that thing right there. Or here's a blind spot. Or have you thought about this? Or you've got this skill set here or just encourage you, move you forward. And so for the last few weeks, we've locked onto this idea. I've I've talked to you about, uh, goodness, your purpose in life. So really, that's kind of the field that you're working. We've talked uh, about fitness. We've got others lined up. This one, we're going to talk about faith. I've got my friend Randy Pardew back in here. Randy is working on Midstream right now. This book called, what's the name of it? Immerse. Immerse. So spell it. So I
1: M M E R S E.
0: Because you know we're, we kind of have this little bit of an accent, so people yes. are going, "Is that immerse or that's right, Amherse? immerse, immerse?" So like yep. to just dive in. That's right. A lot of times I think in faith people come in and tinker and go, "Well, you know, you can kind of kick the tires in certain things and check them out." But I learned a couple years ago was fifty pounds heavier mm-hmm. than I am now and it was i was exercising and i was eating right most days but i finally figured out it isn't going to work unless you just go all in for a season mm-hmm. and so in order to lose the weight i had to go all in with the eating right i had to go all in with the exercising you know there's different ways people could do that but it didn't work like doing it on two days off two days on two off two and i think when it comes to faith people do that like they think that you can just kind of kick the tires. Mm-hmm. And in this book, it kind of seems you're taking the angle. Now, you, you kind of got to submerge in it. Right. You, you, go
1: ahead. Yeah, it's a whole new way of life, really. I mean, that's the whole point of what Christ talks about um, when he says all things are made new, right? When we come to Christ, all things are made new. If we just talk kind of silly about the caterpillar, the caterpillar's whole life in their world is just leaf munching, right? I mean that's just all they do, just munch leaf leaf, munch all day. They're just leaf munchers. That's all they know. Until one day they take a nap, cocoons wrapped around them and they take a long nap. When they wake up from that nap and they stretch their arms, they realize, man, something radically different has taken place. I have wings, I can fly, it's a whole nother world. And 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 so there was this mark of which they actually jumped in in that whole deal. They became completely new. That's what happens when we come to Christ. But if we don't understand that, then we do. Like you say, we kind of hit and miss. Uh, So it's like... Uh, the, the word immerse comes really from the Greek word baptizo, which means to, to dip, right? to immerse, to dip. So you would take a piece of fabric that was just you freshly made from the lamb's wool or whatever, and you would take your blueberries or whatever you were going to dip it in to dye it, and you would put, put it in, it went in white, but it came out a different color. It was all in. It wasn't like sort of blue. Or sort of purple, it it completely
0: transformed. It wasn't, it wasn't sprinkled. That's right. I mean, well, I, mean I, didn't, I didn't mean to make like a baptism analogy, like, because you know, Baptist churches use that word baptizo and say, it, mean, it means to submerge, it and means to similar. immerse, and so we baptize by immersion. Like, we yeah. we, we, we put the whole person in the water, yeah. and then other people go, well no, we just baptize with sprinkling. Here's the point, like, you, you can't we're not talking about baptism the mug. we're talking about like going in with your faith. You can't just kinda of sprinkle it and go, eh, you you totally go all in. All for it. Yeah. So, so here's here's what happens if if your world
1: is kind of like ours. Of course, Andy and I grew up in the, in the South, and you know everybody's a Christian here. We are we're, still
0: in the South. <laughs> that's right. I mean, <laughs> I like to travel out of it, but and, and it's so, not like we grew in and made and it out. If you're still the, here,
1: if you're in the South, you have a kind of a Christian heritage, right? Because you're not communist, so you must be Christian, and that's kind of how we think. But we were almost taught like you get your ticket to heaven, right? So you, you got to walk the aisle or pray a prayer or do whatever it is. You got your ticket to heaven. Now your job is to behave until the bus comes by to take us to heaven. No, that's
0: what's actually preached. Like who doesn't want to go to hell when they die? Right. Raise your hand right now walk the aisle. Right. So you're selling something that's for a distant time and place. that, Let's be honest, you don't really want to go there because to go there, you got to die. Nobody wants to die. Right. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. And then you're told that heaven is going to be a place where people sing and that's all they do. And you're like, well... Man, like I don't, it just sounds like one long church service. I don't know if I want to do that either, but I don't I don't wanna to go to hell. I don't want the other option. Right. Is there a third alternative? <laughs> right, right. I don't know. <clears throat> and so
1: what happens is though most of us end up thinking, Okay, my job's to behave now. So we, we're in this nice. performance thing. It's like we're sitting at the bus stop. You put a two year old at the bus stop and tell them to behave, sit there until the bus comes by. They're gonna be turned upside down, yeah, they're, they're gonna, gonna be, be climbing the everywhere, and you're gonna say, behave, behave, because that's all they know to do. And so what happens in the Christian life is we behave and then we don't, we go, Oh man, I now feel bad, so what do I gotta do? And so then we try to pay penance of some sort and you know, I'm gonna i I'm gonna study my Bible more, I'm gonna have more quiet time, or I'm gonna have I'm gonna go help some old lady cross the street, whatever it is. We're trying to behave. The goal of Christ is that we would become something. And so two different words, behave simply means to restrain from doing things, but to become something, there's something powerful about knowing that Christ wants to do a work in me that that will take me to a place that I could never imagine, that will give me value and purpose that I could never see until I understand what it means to immerse myself in this thing. And so if we look at the end game of the Christian life is found in Paul's letter to the Ephesian church uh, where he was helping them. It's a great little book that helps them understand the key things. It tells them where they started off. They were dead in their trespasses and sins, right? Uh, chapter 2 then says that we were created to do good works. When you think about this, in Ephesians 2.10 says we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, if you can absorb all that for a minute, let me help you break it down real quick. Uh, that word workmanship is actually the word in the, in the original language, poema. It means we're his poem. When you think about that, and just think for a minute, when, when someone writes poetry or someone paints a painting, all of those things, they are expressing their very soul in that poem are in that piece of art. I like to think that what when he says that we're his workmanship, that we are the expression of God's soul. He created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He created us for a purpose. We are a display of his grace. And so he has these good works that before I was ever even thought of in my parents' mind, that I should walk in them. Now, that means there's something I need to do to get to that place.
0: Well, and it's probably a good place to say right there, he created that and any of your past screw-ups, th- that creation and that intention is so powerful that you can't even mess it up. Like Paul says in Galatians, he set me apart from my mother's womb. Yeah. So, Paul is the guy, I mean, he's credited with the first Christian martyr, Stephen, in Acts yep. chapter seven, they lay his coat at Paul's feet, so he's in charge of that, and and he's the one that's murdering Christians, slaughtering Christians, mm-hmm. and then he says, "Wait, God set me aside from my mother's womb." So conceivably, the worst thing he could be doing, somehow, God still restored, redeemed, which is probably a message for somebody. David says yes. he knit me together. You quoted that verse in right. my mother's womb. I mean, he, this is a guy that committed adultery, murdered a friend. Mm-hmm. To cover the adultery and the exactly. subsequent pregnancy. Exactly. And so, you know, and Man. you could chase this all through the scripture, like this theme over and over and over that mm-hmm. you're not bad enough to outrun God's purposes for you. That's right. So he created you as an expression of grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
1: however awkward it is that we get there because a lot of times it is through our weaknesses. In fact, that's what Paul said too, right? Uh, he, this thorn in the flesh that he had and he wanted it gone and God said, it's, it's, my power is perfected in weakness. God loves to take our mess ups and then really let us learn from it and send us somewhere. I could share, and you could too, I'm sure, all the weak stories of our life, the stupid no, things any. in our life. I've got some. <laughs> no, I've, got, I've got a list. I've got a... And some of those I'm like, it, it has given me street cred in some sense with people when they go, Oh, you can't relate because you're a pastor. Well, how about if I tell you what happened to me when I was, you know, 10 years ago? Yeah, right.
0: I've got a list of it, and you're like, I can't believe all that happened to the same person. Like, that's all, oh, that all happened to me. Like, right. and not all, and, and I wouldn't even say, not, and it didn't all happen to me. Like, right. I did it. it was like, it wasn't just like, oh, this occurred, I happened to be there. Like, no, this was. Yeah. And the grace of God, that's
1: what's so powerful about it. to get to that place that I'm doing the things that he created me for means that I'm he's he knows how Romans again all yeah. things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So everything that happens in my life has been sifted through his hands. With that that terrible uh you know parent that maybe I thought I had or whatever or this accident that that you know Created some infirmity or whatever. Whatever came into my life was sifted through his hands, and he's going to use it for my good. Yeah, that, that doesn't mean means all things
0: are good. No, it just means all things. Yeah, work together for the good. It, like there's just a bigger canvas, bigger story being painted on than you can actually see. Exactly. So everything becomes a tool
1: in his hand. My good, my bad, and my ugly, to grow me to that place where he wants.
0: That's a good point to maybe say this. A, a lot of times, people, right here, where you just said that about. The bad mm-hmm. they want to look at it and go, oh well, this bad thing happened because somebody did this to me. And the reality is, like we've we've all done bad to other people too. Absolutely. And so you look at it and go, all right, th- this thing is it's not neutral. It's his grace is big enough to redeem the things done to us, but also redeem the things we've done to other people. Absolutely and work okay yeah. yeah it's
1: just like Joseph in the scriptures when his brothers sell him into slavery and he gets to the end of this thing and they and he saves his brothers <laughs> and he's in the position to do whatever he wants to to them how many little brothers would love to be in that situation and he breaks down and weeps and he says what you meant for evil God meant for good so he understood that principle and and when we see life that way we're no longer a victim not even of our own making right Right, whatever up I have is not a reason to go. Well, that's why I'm a, I'm no good. No, He's going to take all of that,
0: and He's going to weave it together in my good, so that I become something. So you're moving from behavior, to a whole new identity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's and it's not behavior at this point. It's 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 who you are. Yeah. It's not what you do. It's who you are. Right. Okay. Yeah. Continue on. So that's kind of the first step. Yeah. So that's kind of the end
1: game, and I think it's important to know that. Uh, because God is in the process of doing something. We all start out uh, dirty, rotten, stinking little sinners, right? I mean, everyone. I never had to teach my kids how to lie. They, they were really good at it from the get-go. I never taught my kids how to be selfish. They were really good at that from the beginning, just like I am. And so I'm dead in my trespasses and sins, oblivious. I'm, I'm self-absorbed. That's what happened at the fall. I don't want to get so you know, theologically minded, but at the, when when... Adam and Eve sinned. Three things happened. They lost life, right? He said, "In the day you eat of the fruit, you die." So life was lost. Light was lost. They there was a darkness, Paul said, that came over them, um, and then love was lost. They became selfish. That that's what happened. Yeah, so, they're
0: covering with fig leaves, hiding from
1: each other, hiding from God. Right. And so they're self-absorbed. And so those three things were lost: life, light, and love. So when we come to Christ, when we realize that my sins have made a separation between me and him, and I, and I repent of my, trying, my selfishness and trying my own way, and I believe that Christ paid all of that debt, it's a new lease on life. When I do that, that's the gospel. That's when I repent and believe, new life happens. So when that happens, I've been given life back again. I've been given light, and we talk about that in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit who brings those things in our life. And then the whole goal of my life is that I would live a life of love. That's the whole point of the gospel. So this is a return of what was lost in the fall. Exactly, it's
0: all returned. With... But if we
1: don't know that's what we're doing, and we just think I'm supposed to behave, then we don't understand all that happened to us when we got saved. And so, uh, in the in the goal of immersion, the goal of life is really to be sure that you know that you're a Christ follower that. And so, you know, here's what happened to me when I was a kid, and I would doubt whether I was saved or not. You know, because you do something really bad, and you go, oh, I don't know if I'm even saved. Um, and I would have people say, well, now you believe the Bible, don't you? Well, yeah, I believe the Bible. Well, you believe Jesus died for you then, don't you? Well, yeah. Would you ask Jesus in your heart? Well, yeah. Well, then you're saved. Well, as I got older, I realized I never doubted the Word of God. I never doubted what Christ did. I doubted whether I really meant what I, what I prayed and then when I got to studying the book of First John, and he says at the end of the book, I write these things that you may know you have eternal life. I went back and started going through that book, and I realized there's certain things that happen, not because I'm trying to make them happen, but because it's what saved people do. One of me says, we know that we move from darkness to light because we have a desire to keep the Word. When you realize that, hey, I kind of want to do what the Word says, because that's not natural to us, but when you've repented and you believe, and then there's that that desire to do the word that's a marker that says hey you're one of his uh we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren, right so when there's a love that you begin to have my mom uh said that she knew she was saved because she said i love differently than i than i ever loved before she said "Well, i realized that i didn't really love people and all of a sudden i like that's all i my mom came to christ as an adult and so there was this transformation and and it was that whole love thing that then she knew
0: and there's markers like this all through that book. Well, and they don't seem to be like behavior markers. They're like something like you, you don't you don't behave love. I mean, love does certain right. things, but it's like something that's an it does because it's an overflow. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me a different topic, but it's of C.S. Lewis's book when he writes about his faith encounter. You know, he had become a Christian later in life. I mean, he was mm-hmm. you know he's he's a professor. He's in his thirties. He's uh, well, I mean, that sounds so much younger now that I'm not in my 30s. But right. the big thing he says was he was, and he wrote a book about it, Surprised by Joy. Yeah. Like it's an intangible, but it's, I mean, it's an identity thing. Like it's some kind of transformation. It's not a behaving, it's a it's a becoming. That's exactly right. And one of the other things, you know, he talks about,
1: you know, don't love the world and things of the world. How uh, the a guy came to Christ? You know, it, a real quick story. A yeah, guy came to church. It was very awkward because we're, we were doing house church at that time and uh, I'd never met the guy and he shows up his girlfriend brings at your him. house yes yeah, girlfriend brings him and he's sitting there we're worshiping he's just looking at us like you you've lost your head because we're just singing songs you know like and it's a small group in a house so oh, it's yeah. not like you can't
0: disappear in the crowd and then
1: I'm preaching and so I, I we, we go through that and then he leaves it was real awkward I thought man this guy's never I mean it was weird well then my my phone goes off and on a Tuesday and my ring uh, my our security deal said there's somebody at the door and I'm looking at it and I'm like I think that's a guy that came to church on Sunday and shows knocked on my door. And I'm not home. So I get home and there's a letter. And, he, and the letter was, hey, when I first came to church, I thought I was a Christian. He said, now I realize I'm not. He said, I just came by to talk. I hope it's not awkward.
0: I want to talk to you about it. But you you weren't trying to talk him out of being a, like, hey, you're probably not a Christian. I didn't which, say anything. Which that's what a lot of the preaching messages are. Uh, you're not a Christian if or unless. or No, so this was... we
1: were saying, I didn't even have a conversation with him, hardly. And so anyway, so I meet with him, and he's, by the time I meet with him, he said, hey, I started looking at all your stuff on uh, on, on the internet. He said, I went through the book of 1 John. You taught that. I mean, the guy's like just dove into this stuff. So when I meet with him, he's like, he, there's a whole different countenance on his face, and you can tell that something has happened. Something's he's shifted. He said, hey, I got to say, man. He said, you know what? I, he said, I went out with my friends last night. He goes, I didn't want to... I did not want to do those things that we used to do anymore. And what he was saying was all the things that he thought the, wor- the world does that was really making a difference, he was, I don't think I like that stuff anymore. I realize it's only been a week, but the power of what the gospel does in a guy's life, not because I said anything, he just began to open up the Word and read it. Yeah. It was transforming his life. And today, he's still walking. So it was
0: not loving the things of the world. Like there was just kind of this... Hey, those things don't satisfy. Yeah, me. nobody said, "Hey, you should not do that." Yeah. He was just
1: like I don't, I didn't want to even be. I said I'd rather have hung out with you and talked about life than this. Yeah, he said these are my best buds. So it's kind of strange that that thing happened. But it is, it
0: is an identity change. It's not, it's a, yeah. it's he became something different. No, I. Right. I don't. I mean, I mean, you know, butterflies aren't leaf munchers. Right. You know, they right. they do something different. It's, yeah. I mean, they behave a different way, but it's because because they're different. Mm-hmm. The identity is what leads that, okay?
1: Yeah so we walk through these markers in the book of first John and you can see there's like seven there you know and but when you when you see that it, when you have assurance that that you are a Christ follower and that nothing can snatch you out of the Father's hand, it's a game changer. There's a security there. Like nothing else, and I think too many people walk doubting that. Ask a solid someone who's been in church their whole life. Are you in hell when you die? Well, I hope so. Well, I'm trying. I'm doing my best. I mean, th- those words say that you don't really understand what happened, or you wouldn't say those things. You you would know that you are, but because you there's this change that's taking place in your life. And
0: I want to give people confidence in that. So in the book, you talk about things that happen that are true of you now that... I mean, like you'd say a butterfly. I mean, I know you don't this right. in the analogy, but you go, okay, there are things that are true of a butterfly. One of the things that happened is that the butterfly now has wings. Right. So in the same way, anyone who's in Christ, new creation, there are now new things that are true of your identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk through a few of those things. Like, What would be some of them that would be... I mean you got a long list. You've got well, like thirty-three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well those are the things that, that
1: uh a guy I, named Lewis Berry Chaefer wrote a deal called Thirty Three Things That Happen at the Moment of Salvation. And so he lists all of these out. I've tried to break those down into into uh, two or three small bites that that m- so give me two or three hot ones. Okay. One of the things that I think that we need to know yeah. is that all my sins were forgiven when I repented of them and I believed in Christ every sin so that's every sin. you've got a clean slate not just now not up until now and now I've got to keep a good report card I'm Hebrews uh, 10, 10:14 says he has declared me holy while he's making me so so he looks at both me both in yeah he looks at me as holy he's declared me righteous that means my debt was wiped off not just my past but what i'm going to do today and what i'm going to do tomorrow and i, mean, I don't mean to give you a lot of scripture too fast but first john 1 7 says the blood of his son constantly cleanses us from all sin if if i were to turn that faucet on in your sink over there and uh, put my hands under it and you throw dirt on them My hands aren't going to get dirty because that water is constantly flowing. Right. And so that's what happens when I sin right now, today, as a Christ follower. The blood of His Son is constantly
0: cleansing me from all sin. That sin doesn't stick to me. The water doesn't ever turn. Because I think the message that people think is that dirt does stick Mm -hmm. and that God is separated from you at that point and that until you confess that sin you're out of fellowship with him. In right. fact, that's actually preached yeah. at a lot of churches. Yes. I mean, this past Sunday you could have gone to I mean I could name you three or four in, in our city right now that I could drive you right to that go, hey, that's what they believe is that you sin, Jesus separates himself from you. And I, I don't I don't think that's true. Not at all. So which which means if he never will leave you nor forsake you, I mean that means if you go do something foolish right now, yeah. he's actually with you. Yes. In the foolishness. Yes.
1: It's a crazy thought, right? <clears throat> but this a game changer when I get to that place where I know I, he's fully satisfied with my position with him. Now, he's going to grow me so that I can do the good works. That means I've got to—and so this is where Paul says— uh, he says it like this: Put off the old man, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires. Ephesians chapter two. Uh, two, four. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter four. Put off the old self, which is uh, which is being deceived. Be made new in the attitude of your mind. That's where we take the word of God and the Holy Spirit, and we begin to learn some things. Be made new in the attitude of your mind, and put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true right. righteousness and true holiness. And so, in that practical walk through Ephesians, he says simple things like this uh let him who steals still no longer that's the putting off but let him labor with his hands performing what is good that he may have something to give to those who have need so there's my putting what am i going to put off i'm not going to just hoard my money i'm not just going to steal it's not mine to begin with so i'm not going to work and keep everything i'm going to work and i'm going to have some laid aside because i'm going to find somebody who's going to need it and i'm going to it. i start being a taker i start being a giver right and he does that all the way through that thing. Let no unwholesome word proceed forth from the mouth, but only that which, which uh, benefits those who listen. So, so I'm no not longer, cursing,
0: gossiping, no, sharing the story. I'm building with my words. And it's
1: transforming when you realize that, that that's what he's wanting to do in my life, uh, is to get me to this place where I have put off the old man and I put on the new man. I'm valuable to the king then. Think about what how valuable we would be. Instead of trying to just be negative about everybody that happens, and take offense at everything you did, if I, if I choose my words to bring life to you at every
0: encounter. Uh It's a game changer for both of us. Shoot, it'd be a game changer if most most people just went neutral. is that (laughs) right? But but yeah, I mean, when you start putting wind in
1: people's sails. And same thing with giving. I mean, listen, selfishness is the most boring thing on the planet. If you've never given, just, I mean, taking something that, that you hold dear and give it away. We all know what happens when we do that. If you've ever done that, you feel like you got more than they did. There's something about that. It's like when you give your kids a new toy at Christmas, there's that feeling. That's the feeling we have when we just begin to be a servant to him and give to those who have
0: need. It's a game changer. So, but, but this is all under the subheading of forgiven. So, and identity. So we're not doing this to earn Mm -mm. this. We're doing this just out of the overflow of like, okay, everything's already settled. Like I'm on a clean slate. I'm on a clean ground. That makes complete sense. And I'm, working out a salvation, figuring out a salvation that he's already said is as good as done, knowing that he will complete in me what he already began. But he already sees it as complete, but I'm walking out the process. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you got forgiveness and you've got—I'm I'm actually been brought into a household. So those of you who never had a good family, when you come to Christ, we now become a part of the household of God. There's something powerful about that.
0: So that's number two, or well, that's and I said give me, a give me two or pieces. three hot ones, right. Yeah. So so
1: one one is forgiveness, and when you walk in that, see who he who's been forgiven much, right? Will, will will forgive a lot, right? And so when we realize how much God has forgiven me, it makes me want to be more gracious to people. That's where we get into the whole, yeah. you know, that part. So then the other part is I'm a part of His household. I belong. I belong, and it is amazing thought to know that I can go anywhere in this planet. And if I find a true Christ follower, I've got a place to stay. I've got a meal. If he's a true Christ follower, you've, you've, if you've been on mission trips, you know that. You can walk into a home in India where, where I've been and not know a soul, and, and I feel like... Oh, yeah, instantly, they'll they'll pull you in. Yeah. 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 And that should be true of us as well, right? I mean, and so, so there's this... To understand that we belong is one of the most crucial things that there is.
0: Okay. And it's not just belong to him. Now you belong to other people, right? And they belong to you. Yeah, but there's so this, there's this connection to sisters, this and broader
1: community, and anybody that wants to understand what that feels like, it's an amazing it's an amazing thing. And so I become the household of God. With that means that I have access to the Father, right? My kids knew that in my study. Uh, they could come in there anytime they wanted to because I get, I wanted them to have that ability. Well, the writer of the Hebrews says because the veil's been torn into from a spiritual perspective, I can come boldly before the throne room of God. Yeah, right. It's powerful. So I, he is he's my father. I can ask him and cry out to him about anything. I had a, we, we had a, a girl get saved Father's Day last year. She just texted me today, and she said, "Is it okay to ask God for money?" And I'm like, I do that every day. Yeah, you know, would you ask your dad for money? <laughs> and that, well, that was a conversation. But she's been asking me all this. She knows nothing. She came to Christ out of, I mean, nothing. And uh, I'm the only, the only church she's ever been into. And so she's got all of these questions. And so she'll ask me those things. And that's one of them. And today was like, yes, he's your dad. You know, you got yeah, to need him. Yeah, my kids don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't restrain us. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, and so, and with that being in the household, uh, there's also, which is a third one, is it, that I have, I have a different citizenship, but I've got, I have, my father is the God most high. He owns everything. And I have the same inheritance, according to Ephesians, that Christ did. So, so for me, I'm, I, have a, I have a new citizenship. I have a new life. I have all the the, the wealth. I don't mean physical wealth, although th- th- we, there, that is the true principle that we. He does meet all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Um, it's a whole other level of life. Uh, I, I, I'm just a stranger now in this world, which frees me. This isn't. If this were all there was, then I, I'm going to be a different man. But if I know that this is just a, not even a really taste of what is to come then it lets me hold on to this world lo- loosely. And there's something freeing about that too. And that's what I think people don't know about, about the Christian life. I think we've missed that part.
0: Well, it starts making everything very practical too because, you know, as I'm reflecting on what you're saying in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul highlights this unique thing that we seem to have gotten backwards that in their culture, they thought of the Christian life as something that they lived in that life, mm-hmm. and then when they died, it was over. Right. And he's like, whoa, 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 hold on. And he has this whole teaching about the resurrection of the dead mm-hmm. and says, wait, the dead in Christ are going to rise mm-hmm. in the future. That's your true hope. Yeah. And what, what shocked me about that is so often we use that passage to teach about the resurrection of the dead in the future, that whole doctrine. But what's jumped out to me more in the last few years is... Like he's correcting this major error that they had, that they thought everything was in that life, and and they're like living it hard. I mean, you know, they're the ones culturally that are taking in each other. They're taking in orphans. They they are loving each other incredibly well, even though they're amidst persecution. The persecution, the church is growing rapidly. We flipped it the opposite of what they did. To where we've made it irrelevant to this life mm-hmm. and made it all about what happens when you die, mm-hmm. and it seems like if we could just get part of what they had and go, yeah, yeah, you know, okay, what Paul said is true about the future. Like we've only locked onto that and missed the all of this life right now part. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, and that and that's that's what the whole point of that of Ephesians two ten being his workmanship i want to fulfill the purpose god has for me because i know that when when i get rid of all my junk right i mean i put off the old man and i let christ put on the new that i'm gonna enjoy this life so much better and i'm so richer for it and i'm gonna actually accomplish some things that matter in this life for the next life and that's the purpose Um, if i were to bring it down practically
0: yeah, land it practically as we so, wrap up. What's so the there's like, good takeaway? I
1: mean, let me give you five attitudes. I think that, that if we had these in our life, Paul says, I urge you, therefore, that you would walk worthy of this calling that God's given to you, that you would be completely humble. And so the, the goal of that, right? God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There's something goes against everything in us to go last, or to to put somebody first, but as the gospel does that, and as we do that, it's a game changer in our own life and in others. So this humility, this it doesn't think less of ourselves. It's that we're not really thinking of ourselves at all, right? I mean, there's, that's the that's the crucial piece. It's that I regard you as more important. When I start seeing people that way, that Christ wants me, I can, I'm so secure in who I am with Him that I'm free. To just regard others as more important, that's a game changer. Then he says, I want you to be uh, completely humble, completely gentle. That is that, you know, and we're, we live in a harsh age today, don't we? I mean, you think about what happens on social media and how brutal everybody is to each other. It's like, you know, and, the, and the whole cancel culture and that thing. Uh, but to just be gentle, you stand out and it's a it's a game changer just to be gentle with people and give grace to people. This is what he wants. These are some of the good works that he's called us to. Then he says this that we would be patient. That is that I would be unmoved by the cir- circumstances that are going to come in my life. I'm not going to play the victim. I'm I'm going to I'm going to walk through it and I'm going to I'm going to be patient in the process of this stuff that's coming in my life. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to just be unmoved by then he says uh forbear so patience is being unmoved by circumstances forbearance is being unmoved by people that's like i put up with you right i mean sometimes we have to put up with each other and that's what it means to forbear it means i'm going to put up with you uh when we start applying these attitudes and the last one is um uh, that that we would be unified uh that we would find the common ground
0: there's another people one
1: yeah uh those are those attitudes have really helped me transform my life i I pray those things in my life these are the things and i've seen more change in just trying to let those five attitudes rule my life than anything else
0: man that's good that's a good word all right let's end it right there uh as far as website and everything where people can find you yep BeRefreshed.org. berefresh.org yes and there's where you don't have the book yet. No. We're like talking about a hypothetical. I'm writing. I'm going to see all the social media posts where you're at the <laughs> coffee right. shop or a restaurant <laughs> or your house. You're like, oh, I'm writing right now. I'm It'll be it available in October. It'll be available <laughs> at some point after you listen to this. That's but, right. But they can catch you. I mean, I am you talk about a lot of these things. on. If you're up at 6 a.m. That's right. You go live on Facebook every day at 6 a.m. Monday through week. Friday. Yep. 6 a.m man like i'm doing the garage fit (laughs) gym thing at like seven most days not even 6 a.m but you can find all the information i put the links all in the show notes right there we can find randy below Uh, i would encourage you to grab the link there to go into our online groups uh, with the hilltop hangout grab also the 21 day challenge Uh, That's gonna be a free link where you can learn how to find balance and growth in all of the seven key areas of life. Uh, Those are the seven different areas we've been talking to you about in the coaching series, which we've led you through. uh, Well, I haven't led led you through all of these yet, but uh, we are covering your fitness, finance. Uh, We're talking about family. We're talking about your field, that's your career, whatever you do full-time and living your purpose. We're talking about faith. We hit that today. And then also friends and one that people often overlook, which is fun. You're actually created to enjoy the life that you've been given all of that information right there. And I guarantee when you do that, you're going to find that you're really strong in some areas. You're weak in some areas. No shame on all that. Just think of them all like seven different spokes on a wheel. If one's low, okay, it'll it'll roll. But you start knocking out two or three, man, that, that wheel's not going to move without a lot of force behind it. And so you need all of these areas. That said, latch on to it, grab a hold of the 21 Day Challenge. It's there. Uh, Let me close out with this as we pray every single week. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be gracious and shine favor on you. May you see, sense, and feel not the behaviors you need to do in this moment, but the identity that you have as a son, as a daughter, of the King who has looked at you, created you, destined you for a purpose, for a calling before time began, and that in you has made all things new. And may you live not from what you do, but from who you are. Grace and peace. I'll talk to you again soon.